I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Matt Rossi. With me this week are two fantastic co-hosts, uh, Liz Harper, uh, the editor-in-chief of Blizzard Watch, and Joe Perez, my compatriot in talking about lore, and he also does a lot of other stuff, like 3D print entire armies and destroy the world with them. Uh, we're going to be talking about a lot today, because a lot's been going on. Um, first up, I think the first up is something that Joe sent in just like I think like 20 minutes before the show. Um, I don't know if you guys know who Jen O'Neill is. She's yep. been the co-head. I know you two know who she is. Um, <laughs> she's been the co-head of Blizzard since uh, Jay uh, Allen Brack stepped down the, the summer over the whole Blizzard and Activision Blizzard being sued by California crisis. And she's been, you know, she's been co-head of the studio ever since. That's she and, and Mike Ybarra have taken that role. Which has been like now, what, 90 days? Uh, it's I have three more months. Than that I think it's point. three months. Uh, Not very long. Yeah. Uh, apparently, she is leaving. Not just the position of co-lead and not just Blizzard, but she's leaving Activision entirely. Um, she is stepping down. She she posted an open letter uh, to uh, on the Blizzard, you know, official site. Basically saying that she's moving on to try and do something for the entire gaming industry on the topics of diversity and, you know, harassment that have been plaguing Blizzard at the moment. Um, I don't think anybody expected this. Uh, I, I, I'm fairly confident to say that you know, nobody was, no one saw this coming. Uh, um, I'd say play back the tape when we first talked about it. I, I made a comment about, I wonder how long she's actually going to stay in the co-leader role. Yeah, I don't... I, I didn't expect I, her to step down voluntarily, but yeah. I didn't expect... Um, yeah, this is... It was a surprise. I mean, to be fair to her, she came into Blizzard expecting to be, like, basically just the head of her old studio, Vicarious Visions, as it was absorbed into Blizzard, you know, as a, as a larger entity. Soon to be renamed, because Blizzard yeah. brands everything. 
I think they they no, they they're just straight up not Vicarious Visions anymore. They're just straight up part of Blizzard. They've already No, they're they're it. the the studio is getting a whole new name too. That's a whole other thing, yeah. but yeah. But regardless, um I I I'm not saying that it's bad that she wants to do something bigger for the whole industry because the industry sorely needs it. I mean, if you look at what's going on at other studios right now, uh Ubisoft is having significant issues on this front. Um Riot's problems in this are long you know, they're, story, they're matter yeah. of public record. You know, we, we know all about them. Uh, other studios also have it. And we, we, we know that it's a big deal and we know that it's industry spanning. So yeah, it's, it's good that she feels I mean, it's moved to do something, but at the same time, it, it's kind of, it feels almost like a step backwards that the prominent woman who is now at the top of the company is leaving. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Um, either of you, like, what are your reactions on this? I, I'm going to let Liz go first. I mean, I I don't really have an opinion on this. I don't think it's a good look to have a corporate executive that you bring in and try to solve problems with harassment and diversity and sexism in your company. And three months later, they're bailing. Uh, But of course, in her letter, she kind of specifically addressed this and talked about how she has a lot of hope for Blizzard in the future. And it's it's kind of a, a it's not you, it's me thing. She's moving on to do other things. She talks about being a board member on Women in Games International, where Blizzard is making a $1 million grant, and she's going to spend kind of some of her last time with Blizzard working to get that money into programs that will help support women throughout the industry. And I think everything she said is good. That's a great thing to do. But the question is, okay, why are you leaving Blizzard? Like, it feels it feels very odd that she's leaving this soon and kind of suddenly, because no one saw this coming. And if you follow any Blizzard employees on social media, everyone I've seen was surprised about this, which is not saying they were all surprised, but everything I've seen on social has been, whoa, they're finding out about this the same time we were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That that was the part that kind of threw me for a loop more than anything, and I think that's I may be a little bit cynical when it comes to corporate structure like this, um, and it might be a good reason, might not be. Uh, but that's what struck me is that the communication came the same time, and I'm literally seeing people tweet out reading C level executive emails got me like, and then insert GIF here, and at the same time, this announcement goes up and. It, it was very clearly the same thing, maybe worded differently internally, but it for them to not have forewarning ahead of time is a red flag or at least something that kind of makes me go, hmm. And I don't know because the other thing is we haven't really heard anything from them, either of them, her or Mike Yabara, since they took over the co-leadership role. They've been pretty quiet. There's been no public statements that I really have seen. There's been nothing that really like that they've said. It's all been PR announcements or corporate communiques out and nothing from them personally, right? Insert discussion of Mike Ibarra, you know, his guild and golds for carries. Let's let's not. I know, but I'm just saying that's I the mean, only thing. That's the only thing I've heard from Mike Ibarra, aside yeah. from the occasional tweet that's like, I really like this game. And it's like, okay, cool. I'm, I'm glad you like it. It would be bad if you it, didn't. And part of me was also curious because when they first got an announced to it, I made I made a point out of calling out that they were not called president. They weren't called 
a traditional C-level name. Co-leader is not a C-level title, right? Leader is not a co-level title. That's it's like, also not a title. It's not a title that means anything. Exactly. Like it doesn't have a defined meaning in a corporate structure. If you go and tell someone, oh, hi, I'm the co-lead of Blizzard Entertainment. They're like, what? Oh, you, I, run, a, you, run, a, you run a team? You're, you're a team leader? No, yeah, I, I remember, I, I'm the leader. No. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> I remember back in, back in the days of the site before this site, my uh, first role as in editorial, I was the co-lead of the site, which meant I was, you know, editing the site and responsible for content in with someone else. And it's like, that was not, you know, a really strong title then. And it's definitely not a strong title for the and head of a company. The other reason that I wanted to call it out though, too, is like, this is a trend in, in tech right now. Go look at a lot of the open position titles on like, go through LinkedIn, go through, uh, indeed go through them and look what the tech companies are hiring people in for. You're going to see a whole lot of, uh, missing titles. You're not going to see supervisor. You're not going to see manager. You're not going to see uh director. Those titles are starting to go away because they carry weight. Uh, and the C level titles are still there, but now the other ones are being replaced with leader or team leader or, uh, senior leader, like, and, and this is a trend that's been going on for like eh, a couple of years, but it usually means, at least in my experience, you're a figurehead. You actually, even if you're in that position, don't actually get to make a whole lot of decision because you don't have the weight. If you go to a member of the board of another company and say, I'm the leader, like you pointed out, that means nothing to that. If you go and say, I'm the CIO, that means something to that. If you go and say, I'm the CFO, that means something to them. Those titles carry weight, though the other ones don't. And the fact that we haven't heard anything from them, any initiatives that they were actually doing, anything like that, it makes me wonder if maybe, and, and this is maybe a little conspiratorial, maybe Jen O'Neill got to a point where she realized she couldn't do much and that it would be better to work from the outside than inside. And if that's the case, that makes me sad because you would want somebody in those positions like her to be able to affect change. But if she can do it from the outside, I'm going to run with it too. Like I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say the best of luck and I hope that she can continue to affect change for the entire industry. But it just, everything about this is just, it's, it's, it's like when you walk into like a room and everybody just quiets down just enough to make you uneasy and you don't know why, because there's really no reason it should make you uneasy. That's what it feels like reading this announcement. Okay. Uh, I think that covers it pretty well between the two of you. I don't have anything new to add to it. So we're going to move on to the other thing that happened. This one happened last week uh, that I think is important in this discussion. And it's the open letter from uh, CEO Bobby Kotick um, talking about what Activision Blizzard is going to be doing moving forward. Uh, he talked about the ending of, of forced arbitration in specific cases where sexual harassment has been alleged or other discrimination has been alleged which is good. It's not enough, but it's good. Um, he took a pay cut, which we could debate how much of a pay cut it is and how much it matters. Uh, quite frankly, when you made something like $155 million last year, I feel like you can, you can handle a couple years of being paid, you know, less. It also depends um, on when the financial year rotates for them too. Fiscal yeah. And also thing. there's, there's like, you know, does stock matter? Does the, that's, that's, equi that's, that's equity. Yeah, he still owns stock. 
there's a lot to this discussion yeah. that, that we could go into, but for me, um, I do think, and I, and I, again, we're going to move it around and have you guys give your opinions. Um, I definitely think that there is an element of this that is positive. I think that it is good that they finally came out and addressed the employee concerns, even if they did not address the employees themselves. Um, they did address the employee concerns. Uh, do I think it went far enough? No, absolutely not. Um, I'm of people's reactions. I think my reaction was one of the more negative in that I'm like, okay, but what, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the announcement was very much full of this sounds good, but what does it mean? Um, for me, uh, you know, yeah, they're going to do, they're going to do more. Okay. What are you going to do besides telling me you're going to, to like set up something to do this? What does that mean? And obviously that's stuff that they have to work out. I, I'm not expecting them to just magically have the solutions already, but I do think it is something that, that we need more details on before we can make an assumption as to how good or bad this is. Um, but, but I do think it is, it's telling that it took this long for them to come out with this. I mean, uh, the, the, the workers had their four points that they were demanding. Uh, I want to say at this point, 90 something days ago. I think it's more than, I think over it's three months. That, yeah. I think, yeah. It's like over three months. Months. I think it's a hundred days. So yeah. Um, I do, I do think that this was a bit slow, uh, quite frankly, and I'll just say that, but what do you two think? Uh, again, we're going to throw it to Liz because both Joe and I talk a lot. <laughs> I, I think it was slow, but I don't think corporations react quickly to anything. I'm not saying that it's okay that they didn't react quickly, but I, would never expect like an on the dot on the on the dime kind of turnaround. Uh, and this is this is a nice first step, but it's not everything. And you, Matt, were talking about how this addresses the employee issues, and it addresses some of them, but not all of them. Yeah, mm-hmm. like it it removes forced arbitration, but only in certain circumstances. So forced arbitration can still be used to keep employee complaints out of the courts and keep employee complaints separate and isolated so they can't get together for collective action against the company. It does not address the, uh, uh, it does not address having an outside audit of their HR policies and, you know, diversity practices and hiring practices and all of that, because right now they are having an outside firm audit it, but it's not a neutral third party. It's someone that has existing business relationship with uh, Blizzard. And it has also a history of working with, of busting unions and busting collective employee action. So this isn't a neutral party that's necessarily on the sides of the employees. And there's definitely been a lot of criticism about that. So it's a nice first step that they're ending uh, arbitration in some ways. Bobby Kotick is taking a significant pay cut, whether you think, oh, he has plenty of money he's taking a very significant pay cut and considering he's made, he's been one of the top paid CEOs in gaming for a number of years now. I I think that's a nice step. That's a nice step, but it's still, it's a step. It's a step towards addressing these problems, but it doesn't fully address the problems. Joe, I am not going to say everything that's coming to my mind, uh, but I will say that it is a nice first step, but I'm very much in the yes and camp. Like, this is good. These are good steps. But now what else are you going to do? Liz pointed out everything that I would have pointed out as well. Um, but it, it's it's still not enough. 
it's not enough for all of the years that this has been going on. And we talked about this and we had some very visceral responses when everything, you know, started coming out, like, especially for some of us. And there was a point where I confided in, in Matt and Matt talked me off of a ledge more, more or less. Uh, and I appreciated that. But it's like when you start really thinking about how long this stuff has been going on and how long a lot of these terrible policies have been in place and the track record that they have. Yes, yeah, is a good first step. But how many more steps do they need to take before they get to the top of that mountain? And it's going to be a while. Yeah, uh, I definitely feel like for me, it keeps coming down to it's good that you are saying these things. You are saying the right things, but I need to see what you're going to actually do beyond saying we're going to set up something. And the the points about forced arbitration still being in place for everything else and the point about, okay, what who's going to be doing this audit? And, you know, if it's the same people you always hire, then no, it needs to be somebody else. Those are, those are good, are good points to make. And there's, there's a lot more to the discussion that we don't really have time for, but I think this dovetails nicely into discussing the next thing I want to discuss. Um, Ian Hazakostas did an interview, I think yesterday as we're recording this. Uh, yeah. Yesterday. I think so. Um, and basically talking about the, what 9.1.5 means and what it means for the future direction of world of Warcraft. There's a lot in this interview. Um, uh, so what I'm basically going to do is have Joe and Liz talk about what they thought, like when they read it, what they, th- they thought the, the thing that they were most struck by is, and then I'll come in with mine. Um, this time I'll throw it to Joe because you know, why not? Faction divide coming up as a topic that was generally and in, in candidly talked about and about how it just doesn't necessarily work all the time. Like we've been talking about that for years, but to hear uh, Hazakostas actually talk about it openly and without any sort of like uh, veiled wording about it was refreshing. And I think it's the first time that they've actually mentioned that because usually when you get them talking about the faction divide, it's it's what defines Warcraft. Uh, and you know, Matt and I talk about this on Lore Watch. The three of us have talked about it here. The faction divide isn't as important as it used to be because we're not in the RTS anymore. The world has evolved. The stories have gotten bigger. The stakes have gotten larger and it's really hard. Like they pointed, like he pointed out in this interview, it's really hard to sell uh, the faction divide when you have Thrall and Jaina working together. And then we have all these cosmic threats that we're forced to work together. doesn't mean we have to be best friends. And, and we've talked about, you can have very interesting stories and interactions between the factions but it doesn't have to be all out hostility and war all of the ding dang time. So that was surprising to me and probably the thing that stood out the most to me, um, because then it also starts getting the, the gears turning about now starting to break down the social barriers. Now are we going to start seeing maybe mercenary modes for, for cross faction raiding on the horizon? Is that something they'll actually look into? Uh, is it something where maybe we'll actually be able to play with our friends because my friend prefers to play dwarves and I prefer to play Volpera or, or whatever the case is. And maybe we can actually play together. Fine. So it's, it's interesting to me to see that that's actually talked about. And I hope, I hope they go further. Liz. I actually thought was really interesting is, uh, has a coast talking about how they've been making all of these little changes. They've been changing quest names. They've been removing jokes. They've been doing these little changes to kind of content in World of Warcraft, and that's gotten a lot of flack for like, oh, why are you doing this instead of addressing harassment? And it's like, okay, these are different issues. And 
the Warcraft team can do this, but maybe not address corporate-wide problems. But I thought it was very interesting to see Ian talk about this because he's saying that, you know, it's not like we've decided to go in and strip out everything, but, you know, it's 17 years later and we recognize that we aren't the same people who originally designed this game. The players aren't the same people who were originally designing or playing this game. And some of this isn't inclusive. Some of this is unfriendly content. Some of this is insensitive or maybe insulting. And what they did was took reports from people inside Blizzard that pointed out things like, okay, this is like weird and it doesn't work and I don't like it. And they evaluated that and they, you know, have started stripping these things out. And it's not necessarily to remove everything they want the game to represent the people who are making the game and the people who are playing the game today. And that means going back and reevaluating some decisions they've made in the past. And I found this entire fact that they've been making these little changes to be so interesting and so meaningful, really. They're small changes, but they're changes they didn't have to make. They're changes that are unimportant in the grand scheme of things. They did not have to make a commitment to changing these old, insulting, uninclusive things from this, you know, 17-year-old game. They didn't have to do this, but they did. And the fact that they thought about this, that actually means a lot to me, because I never expected them to do this. And, I mean, he's talking about it really openly, like, well, we're just, we're evaluating. We recognize that this is not the same company it was 17 years ago. These aren't the same people that we were working with 17 years ago and the game has to evolve with the developers, with the players. Yeah. I also thought it was interesting on that front that he talked about, it's not an either or thing. Yeah. Like, it's not that, you know, we can combat harassment and player toxicity and problems both within the player base and at the company, or we can, you know, change some character names. No, we, we can actually do both of those things. Uh, it, it is not an either or situation. And I think that's a good point to make. The point that he made that I think resonated with me most strongly was that they're they're looking forward at the idea that the game or the game's base is not the same anymore. That lessons that they had the the line that really struck with me was when he was talking about you know we had this this mantra almost hammered into us that you know we have to give people meaningful choices choices that have consequences and that maybe those choices don't have to be about you know what you can do in game. Like the idea that you don't have to make, you know, respecting players' time, I believe is the exact phrase. Yes. Yeah. Yep. 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 Um, that's that's a design choice that I think really does need to be reevaluated because it. I I played this game in 2004. Uh, I think it, uh, everybody in this conversation did, if not in 2004, certainly in 2005 and beyond. Um, we're we're all you know we've all been playing it for a long time, and in that time. Our lives have changed. The, the I do not have the time to spend eight hours in Molten Core or anything else in World of Warcraft. I don't have eight uninterrupted hours to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, it just is not in my life. And, you know, the game as it was in 2004, the fact that we have a kind of time capsule where we can go back and look at those systems and look at how they're implemented, it doesn't even work for people playing that like WoW Classic is you know, the seasons of, of Mastery, which we're going to talk about, absolutely proves that you cannot go home again. You cannot keep playing the same game. It mm-hmm. does need changes. Mm-hmm. It does need updating. 
And so I feel like that that's a good move. The idea that let people to make it alt friendlier, to make it, if they're not going to, they're not going to like blatantly copy what other games are doing in that field. I don't think they're going to just suddenly make it so you can play, you know, your, your, your night elf warrior can now also be your night elf priest. I don't think they're going there, but I do think they're going to, they're looking towards making it less punishing to, to play alts. And I think that is a really wise decision. I think that there's a ton they can do for catch up mechanics and, and for keeping players, making it so you can step away from the game because real life happened and you have to do something like say, deal with your health, your, your pet's health emergency or your sick wife or your, your own illness and then come back. And that needs to be something that world of Warcraft is friendlier at. They can't keep doing massive multi-level grinding for like, you know, renown or what have you. We can't have any more Azerite systems. We can't have any more, you know, artifact power systems that where you are grinding and grinding and grinding and grinding and grinding. Because they always end up having to stick in catch-up mechanics anyway. If you have to keep adjusting the game anyway, why keep doing it? And I do think that that's something. I don't know what form it's going to take. I just, I like that they're thinking about it. I like that they are talking about it and thinking about it. The recent situation with, with the harassment lawsuit with you know what was revealed, well, what's going on? That's obviously also a big, but that's something that you could tell from the interview that he that he and other people at Blizzard have been thinking about. Um, he fr- he flat out me a culpit, like you know we we didn't take these things seriously enough, mm-hmm. and I thought that that was refreshing because you don't get enough people just flat saying, yeah, no, this this was not the way we should have gone. Uh, so um, yeah, I like that too. It made me start to wonder if they're going to take the reins off a little bit with interviews going forward. Uh, because they generally have been very tightly controlled, um, which is not a bad thing. Like that's that's a, that's a pretty standard thing. Uh, I just make make sure that's clear. But I wonder if they're going to start giving people more leeway to talk candidly about these problems, because I think that's what we as players want and we've been asking for for a very long time. Instead of getting you know, veiled comments or jibe comments or we used to have, I mean, one of the things that people pointed out to me, like for years now, there used to be somebody at blizzard who would literally address any topic. Like you'd ask him the question, he would answer it. And whatever that, you know, you think of that person now, because there's, there's been revelations about them. That's a role that blizzard has not had for a very long time. Yeah. Somebody who you could just go to and say, Hey, what about this? Um, and I do think that it's it would be nice to see them move more in that direction. But I also wanted to move, continue to talk about stuff since we had mentioned it just now. Um, they finally have a release date for WoW Classics Season of Mastery. Um, it's November like fourteenth. Was it fourteenth, Liz? Um, I wrote this down. Yeah, I know. It is November sixteenth. Sixteenth. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm really bad with which teenth something is, <laughs> uh, but. Yeah, that's that's going to be November 16th. So I don't know if you guys know. Again, I know the people in this podcast with me know. I'm, I'm talking to people listening. Basically, the Season of Mastery is kind of like hitting the reset button. It is very similar to the concept of Seasons in Diablo 3, which we're going to be talking about a little bit later. So I'm segueing my butt off today. Um, <laughs> but the Season of Mastery is basically you start off again at level 1. Uh, they're changing leveling so it will go faster so you can get to level 60 faster and all the raids and everything will be reset back to the way uh, it was when they launched WoW Classic where like, certain content will unlock at certain times over the course of like a year they're going to unlock everything 
and they're changing stuff in raids to make the the encounters more like they were originally because keep in mind when wow classic launched it was launching it was running on the patch 1.12 architecture for lack of a better word the everything was tuned to patch 1.12 and as a result i don't if you watched wow classic and how raiding went in wow classic bosses fell down like you know raid groups were practically like punching the air next to them and they'd be like oh no my health and fall over um but raids were being finished in 30 minutes this is not how it used to go um nope. for, for if nothing else like molten core had a very rigid thing that would keep you from going that fast like you had to unlock you had to basically go get you know aqua contestants in order to like put out the fire runes and, and move further in the raid so that and wasn't was even a- there was a big reputation grind for that. So you had to do this whole reputation grind and you could only carry one of those things at once. So either you would have to have multiple people who did the reputation grind or you would have to like pause the raid so they could go back out and get another one of these like vials that you could pour to put out the runes. Yep. So yeah, it was a whole thing. And that kind of stuff is going to be reintroduced to, to make these raids feel more like they did their first time around to, to like make them go a little slower and be a little bit more difficult. And they're also tuning boss health to be higher. Um, I think they're going back to like the earlier versions of them. That's all great. Uh, I'm perfectly, I think it's a good idea, but it does beg the question, is this going to be a one-time thing or are they going to have to keep doing it? Are we going to keep having new seasons of mastery? Are they going to get season themes? Uh, I'm interested in what these two have to say. I have an opinion on this, but as is always the case when you're hosting a show, you have to try and shut up occasionally and let other people talk. Um, it's, it's a hassle. I mean, I could just keep talking for like you know an hour and we could be done, but no, I have to let other people have opinions. Uh, so this time I'm going to make you guys fight like Kirk and Spock in that one episode of Star Trek. <laughs> no. Okay, no. Yeah. Um. Uh, let's just, let's just uh, we'll go with Joe this time. What what are your thoughts on the seasons of mastery? What what is what is your thinking going towards it? When we first started talking about it, it's something that I really really struck me as a good idea. I like it. I think it is a, a nifty way to try to bring these closer to feeling like they felt before. And that's it's one of those things. Like I'm not trying to say like I want everybody to feel the pain that I felt and all. No no no. I I think it would be neat for people to experience some of the same things we did back then. And it'll, it'll never quite be the same. We, we just talked about it. You can never go home again, so to speak, uh, but it could get pretty close and they could start to maybe get an idea. So when we you know talk about attunements and having to get the quintessences and stuff like that, they'll actually have a frame of reference now instead of just a wiki article or an entry on our site or, you know, one of the other sites. And I think that's really cool. And if they started doing other themed seasons, I would actually be okay with that as well. I think it adds a certain level of playability and also it makes it enticing to somebody like me. I have never done anything more in classic than install and grab a couple screenshots because there are certain places that you can't go anymore in game uh, that you can go in the old world. And that was it. I have I don't play it. I, have, I haven't really done anything much with it because I lived that life once. But this is something that might actually get me to play more and it maybe actually go in and experience some of it because I like that idea. I like the idea of taking something I remember and throwing a curveball into it, uh, making it a little more. It it doesn't become a nostalgia factor anymore. It just becomes something new. And I think that's really neat. And depending on how they do it or what they do and how often they do it, 
it could be pretty cool. I understand that it'll also probably be, uh, it could be a massive undertaking and I don't want to downplay how much work it would be to get it done. But the idea of it is something very enticing to me. Uh, Liz? I think it's a great idea. I think the whole problem with WoW Classic is that eventually you get to the end of WoW Classic and then what do you do? Because obviously they've they've rolled out Burning Crusade Classic, but there are people who don't want to play Burning Crusade Classic. There are people who really like the original classic experience. And even if they keep rolling out new expansions, you're eventually going to run out of classic content. So I think it's a great idea to refresh these and do new things. And I think the seasonal thing has done wonders for Diablo 3, because honestly, there's only so much Diablo 3 out there. But I think every time there's a new season, I know a lot of us here at Blizzard Watch jump back in and create seasonal characters because it's the same game we like, but it's different. There's something new. There's new things to collect. There's different things to do. There's a new kind of meta where builds are a little different or things affect builds differently. And it's fun to go back to that same old game, but things are a little different and you have new challenges. And I think it's a great idea to not only do the Season of Mastery for WoW Classic, but continue doing things like this to continue giving players fun and interesting and different things to do, because otherwise you're going to run out of things to do. That's just the nature of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things I think is that I really want them to explore themes. I, I want them to just go the leap, go all the way with this and do season themes because the themes of what made the seasons in Diablo so interesting um, before season 14, I was not interested in seasons. I did not care because it was like, okay, I just do it again. I can do it again in the normal game if I want to like, and it's easier because I get all my stuff. What's exciting about doing it in the season. And I just, you know, I'm not somebody who's big on, you get a new portrait frame. Or you get some achievements. That doesn't matter to me. In WoW, achievements are things I do with for other people. They are not things I care about. I do not care what my gamer score is uh, in any way. It just has never been interesting to me. But when they put in the themes, I, I remember the visceral experience my wife and I had playing Diablo 3 the first time Double Treasure Goblins happened. Um, to this day, I, I, I still remember my wife's choking like we were playing over a chat because her computer's in a different office and she's going i'm like what what are you what are you saying what's going on and then like two treasure goblins run by me and i'm like oh (laughs) treasure goblins well then and it changed up the game for us it made something you know now we were interested now we were invested and they've done some really interesting ones they've done some that haven't really worked I, i i get that that is the danger involved but I really do think that, that they should go with the theme and that, that that's a good moving forward. Isn't it always now, the danger whenever you do something new is it it might not be well received. It's that's always the risk you're going to take. Yeah, right? obviously. Absolutely. And now let's talk about Diablo three season 25 <laughs> segue. I'm just so good at this today. Oh, wow. I'm not really. Um, but yeah, we, we have now, we know that on Thursday, November 4th, as we're recording this, that's two days in the future. Um, although it's not. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah. Yeah, it's Thursday. It's this Thursday. Yeah, I, I my God, time. <laughs> what are you doing to me, time? Um, but yeah, that's that's coming this Thursday. And we don't know everything, but we do know now the basic theme of the season is going to be the soul shards that they're introducing. Uh, the season 24 was the, the, the ethereal weapon season. You could get a special ethereal weapon and run forth and wreak havoc with that thing. And 
it's kind of similar in that it is an item that will be dropping in the game. It's not like a, a random power you get, like we've seen with some seasons, and it's not two treasure goblins like we should see every season forever. Um, but it is, it's interesting because these, these soul shards are socketable items. If you're playing Diablo two resurrected right now, you know, the skulls that you can get eventually, and you can socket in your gear. It's kind of like the skulls, except it's actual pieces of the, the seven evils. It's literally a chunk of one of them. Uh, there are three, three varieties for helmets and four varieties for weapons. And these things are upgradable. They're, they're basically legendary gems in terms of how they work, but they have special powers. You can upgrade them three times using an, an, an artifact. Uh, no, not an artifact, sorry. Uh, a resource that drops uh, the Hellforge Ember. Ember. Yeah. You get those, you use those to upgrade the item. So it, it, it's interesting. It's an interesting way to, to play around with the concept of how you, you will gem your gear. Uh, legendary gems are a big part of most people's metas, and having this new version will, will change that. We don't know what they do. We know that they're going to do something related to the the Lord of Hell that they are, you know, linked to. Like if you have a ball shard, presumably it's going to have something involved with destruction. Uh, a Mephisto shard is going to probably be around the power of hatred. A Diablo shard will most likely be about the power of terror because that's what they are the the and the embodiments of. And the same for the ones that go in the weapons. There's you know Asmodon, Belial, uh, Andariel, and Duriel to choose from. And you can have one in a weapon and one in a helm item. I don't know what happens if you're dual wielding. I don't know if, like, for instance, you're a barbarian and you have two weapons. If you can have two of these, I would assume not, because then you could double up on them, which other people couldn't do. Um, So I I assume that that is not possible. But I do not actually know. Uh, We'll know more on Thursday when, when it goes live. I... I'm always cautious about these things because until we actually get to see them in use, anything can sound really cool and then not really work out. I'm looking at you season of the triune here. Um, and, and for that matter, like there have been a couple other seasons where I, I thought they were going to be super awesome and exciting. And then it did turned out not to be as good as I wanted, but the season of the triune is always the one that comes to mind. Um, but I do think ultimately it's cool that they're trying something new at the, it, this is, the 25th season, you know, this is, they've been doing this a while. It is cool to see them still coming up with new ideas for it. And I am interested to see how this works out, how the soul shards work, what their ultimate, you know, what the itemization change does. Because one of the best seasons they did, in my opinion, was the forgotten archives one. And all that was really was you, you got to have more variety in your canise cube choices. That's it. That's all it was. And it really changed all sorts of neat things. It was really interesting and fun. So, yeah, I'm interested. Um, I know, Joe, you don't play a lot of Diablo 3, right? Uh, not recently, no. So I'm going to skip you. I'm gonna, I think Liz That's plays fair. more often. Liz, w- what are your thoughts? Um, see, they're talking about soul shards and putting soul shards in your gear. And my first thought was, okay, didn't we start this whole problem by, like, Taking in Diablo one, the hero takes the soul shard and jams it in his forehead to contain Diablo. And that's a and soul that, stone. Oh, that's completely uh, different. It's completely different. different. Okay, so these aren't soul stones; they're soul shards. Are they part of soul stones? 
Yeah, no, no, I'm sure it's completely different, and it's been che- it's been checked, and it's quite safe. I'm sure. I mean, yeah, that's just what I think. I'm like, okay, so we're we're shoving a tiny shard of the Lord of Terror into our armor, and this seems this seems hazardous to our health. There's no and possible way this could have a downside. <laughs> I mean. We've done this before, and it did not work out well, and so now we're doing it again because it sounds really cool. Look, and maybe look. it will be cool. I just think about narratively, it's like, what are we doing here? Look, I understand your your concerns, but I want to reassure <laughs> you at this time that this seething mass of, of, of the pure hatred of Mephisto right next to my head in no way, shape, or form poses any threat to my sanity. <laughs> no, no, you're, you're totally right. Um, but, you know, hey. I get stronger if I use it. So, you know, we've been doing this since what? I remember in, in when we were playing uh, Wrath of the Lich King, uh, remember like a discussion across the entire group of people who were writing at the time about the, you know, I've completely covered myself head to toe in the blood of a screaming old god that drives people mad. Yeah, I'm sure this is fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm, sh- I'm sure this is fine. This is fine. It's, it's fine. I'm sure everything will be fine. Like that corrupted gear in battle for Azeroth. Let's just let's bring it on. It's yeah. totally fine. No health consequences yeah, this, this, at all. This eyeball that's moving on its own that's still alive and this piece of flesh that I just carved from this beast that uh definitely <laughs> makes sure that it is one hundred percent uh dedicated to this old guy that wants to rule the world. Sure, no problem. You get a spot on my shoulder, bud. Let's go. Yeah. This this axe keeps telling me that I should, you know, wreak unholy revenge against all my foes. That's just a feature. <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah. I love that's, it. So that's that's the season twenty-five. Uh I should point out that we're also looking at the twenty-fifth anniversary of the Diablo franchise. That's oh part of the, yeah. So yeah, as, you know, feel good about that. Someone, yeah, as someone who played Diablo One when Diablo One is new, it's like, oh, Oh, okay. Yeah, you didn't need to remind me of that. Yeah, I, I had to bust out of my crypt just to get to this show today. So, <laughs> Brr, brains, let's talk about Diablo. All right. Um, I I think at this point we've got the Deadmines Hearthstone news, uh, which I don't really know what's going on. I'll be upfront. I've been playing Mercenary mode, but I don't really understand what's going on with with the Deadmines set stuff. So. Uh, I, I've been drinking this whole time. I don't need to lubricate, but I'm still going <laughs> to let Liz explain this because I, I don't really know. It's Hearthstone. What, we it's, make Liz talk about Hearthstone. That's what we do here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. What, what's going on? <laughs> uh, I mean, well, a lot of things. They're doing uh, Deadmines is obviously kind of, you got a Defias theme. There's a pirate theme going on. And uh, Hearthstone regularly does mini sets kind of between expansions. They'll do, they'll roll out a set of like, 35 cards, I believe this one is, uh, that are part of the current expansion. And the nice thing about mini sets is that you can pay a flat fee and get every card. You just have every card in the mini set done. You, I believe it's $15 or 2,000 gold, which is the in-game currency in Hearthstone. Or you can, you know, earn them from your, your normal Hearthstone packs. So they can randomly show up in your packs, but you can also just pay $15 and you got every card in the set, which is really easy. Uh, I'm going to buy it with gold when I kind of work up my gold reserves a little more. And um, I think it's really nice. I mean, it's nice when they roll out new cards because it uh, in any card game, the meta gets kind of standardized and it gets kind of boring after a while. Everyone's playing these specific decks. 
everyone's playing the same or very similar decks. And it gets it, it, it gets old. So even by throwing like another 30 cards in there can really shake things up. So I like that they do this. I like that they roll them out between expansions to kind of keep things dynamic and interesting. Um, so, but another interesting thing, they aren't just rolling out new cards for the standard, you know, Hearthstone card game mode. They are also rolling out two new Battlegrounds heroes which are, again, the same Defias pirate theme. One of them is Cookie, the Murloc chef from, uh, from the Dead Mines, who I played this afternoon. It was really fun. You, like, uh, in Battlegrounds, the hero Cookie's hero power is you take a minion and you throw it in your cooking pot. <laughs> that and works. You, you do, after you do that three times, you throw three minions into your cooking pot, then you get to discover a minion. You get to pick a minion from like a whole bunch of different from three different minions and uh that was actually really interesting it gave me kind of a lead in the curve on having cards out there because i got to have this extra card after i threw enough minions in my cooking pot um so that's really fun they're also rolling out five new mercenaries for mercenaries mode and several new bounties you can do in mercenaries mode uh, I have some mixed feelings about mercenaries mode in general, but uh, one of the problems with adding new mercenaries that they haven't really addressed is that the way to get mercenaries, either you buy mercenaries packs, and there is usually one mercenary in mercenaries packs, but the way you, like if you wanted to, if you aren't having any luck getting this mercenary, the way you make them is with coins. Now you can earn coins through gameplay, or you can earn coins in packs. But for an epic mercenary, for example, like Edwin Van Cleef, who was added today, that costs you 500 coins. Now, in-game activities, and you might get 10 to 20 coins for each of those. So that's a lot of coins. And it's random. There's a specific type of coin for each Battlegrounds, for each, sorry, not Battlegrounds, for each mercenary. There's a specific type of coin. So when you're randomly collecting coins, and it can be for any mercenary, throwing five new mercenaries into the pool actually makes it harder to get the coins you want so you can build your mercenaries team. So I'm not, I'm not really sure how I feel about that. I think kind of the currency system here is still a little weird. The balance isn't here because you're kind of like, oh, cool, new mercenaries. But you're also kind of like, Oh, but this is going to make me even less likely to get the coins to buy and upgrade the mercenaries I want to play. Yeah, so, absolutely. I do totally yeah. agree that mercenary mode has a really weird, for lack of a better word, economy. Uh, I don't. Yeah. I don't. Feel, it doesn't feel great trying. Like, oh, I want to get this one, but oh, yeah, not going to happen. But yeah, I want to get this one, but oh, I got ten coins for this other guy and fifteen coins for this other guy and five coins for this other guy and. I feel like it's the I fact just, that it's so random as to what coins. Yeah. Like you can't, you even if you want to be working on, say, you know, Gromash, you want to make you know him your main guy. You, mm-hmm. if you don't get the coins, you can't. It, it doesn't yeah. matter what you're trying to do. It, it, it only matters what you actually get. And I feel like mm-hmm. that's kind of that's bad. That's not working great. Yeah, the coins don't feel very rewarding. You can focus a little bit because each bounty, each different bounty has. At the at the very end boss, once you defeat the end boss, it has a chance of giving you coins from one of three mercenaries at random. 
and it will give you coins from the specific mercenary, and it will also give you some random coins from mercenaries in your party. So if you're trying to earn a new mercenary, what you do is repeatedly play the one bounty that they can give you coins from, but it's also a random chance. You could get coins from them or coins from a couple of other mercenaries, and you don't know. Yeah, so you, you're it's basically, you know... Super just, random. Yeah, yeah. It's, it is not ideal, but I do, yeah, I do think that this is a you know, something that needs to be. Uh, but at this point, we've got one more news story. Um, and looking at the time, I don't know if we're going to get to any emails tonight. I, I'm really sorry, guys. Um, a lot of stuff happened. Slow news week. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, we, we haven't even talked about patch 915, which yeah. went live a few hours ago. Yeah, I as of, when I was writing the email, I couldn't even log into the servers. But since then, they are up. You you can go and, and see patch 9.1.5 right now. Patch 9.1.5 is officially my favorite patch. Okay, then talk about why. <laughs> it has nothing to do with what's actually in the patch. <laughs> yeah, Joe Joe got his uh, Dragon Stalker gauntlets. I have been sixteen years. Sixteen so. years of farming, and I finally got the Dragon Stalker gauntlets. I finally have a full set. <sighs> I, I I know exactly how this feels for obvious reasons. Um, but yeah, there's there's like new cosmetic stuff. There's the Covenant stuff has been changed. I saw Liz. Weren't you switching your Covenant around today? I was actually. Uh, yeah, I switched. I was going to say, I was fascinated listening like, to Liz while she was figuring it out. <laughs> yeah, I switched my covenant like five times in the course of like 15 minutes. And I, I think I kind of confused the game. But uh, uh, I mean, I was just testing to see how it worked and like, what's, what's the dynamic? What's the problems? And I mean, one problem seems to be that if you switch your covenants, you know, five times in 15 minutes, the quest you need to pick up to go and unlock all of your covenant stuff vanishes. Like there's some weird phasing thing there when you talk to your covenant guy that the quests appear and disappear depending on what covenant you're in, I think. Uh, anyway, I don't recommend going and switching like covenants like 20 times, like back and forth, but you can. If you want to, you can. You can be, you can start out as Kyrian. Walk, go to Oribos, you walk over to Lady Moonberry and you say, hey, I want to be, I, I want to join your fine covenant today. And bang, you press a button. Now you're in a new covenant. You can walk across over to um, Vinthyrdai, Davon, Davon, talk to him. Hey, I would like to join your fine covenant. And he's like, okay. And you can just go on the circle to all of the covenant leaders and keep doing that for as long as you want. It's just... Uh, yeah, the the Kyrian do, they really guilt trip you when you go back, but uh, they let you right back in, no problem. Uh, so, oh, yeah, I think it's I'm... you. <laughs> Hello. Yeah, he... We've missed you, Ma Walker. It hasn't been the same he... without you. No, he talks about how it was a betrayal when you left, and it's like, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I actually kind of felt bad, <laughs> because he's like, you betrayed us by leaving, and I'm like, no, I, I just wanted some different something. abilities and I maybe some new transmogs. Something. Oh god. Yeah, but, okay, so that, yeah, that's cool that you can do that much easier now. Um there's the Maw skip they put in. Yeah. Which I'm I'm probably going to finally get my dwarf up because I she she got stuck in the Maw and then I hearthed out of the Maw on her. And didn't go back because it was like, no, I, I can't do it at the sixth time. And just to specify stuff that we think that it's a bad experience. It's just 
sometimes you don't want to do it eight times in a row. I've done it six times. This just, it isn't going to happen again. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's just the, the, the thing about stuff like that, the, the Maw intro is an example of a really well-designed, really cool intro experience. Mm-hmm. Intro experiences are always strongest when they are introducing you. But imagine if every time you met someone, they 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 launched into introducing you themselves to you like you'd never met them before. Like you know, hey, you know, we're going to Jack's party. You know, hi, I'm Jack. This is my house. This is me. This is my wife and my two dogs. Jack, I've known you for thirty five years. Yeah, you know, I I know that that's your wife and your dog. I know your dog. I've known all your dogs. It, it just eventually somebody just comes in. This is Glognog, destroyer of seven galaxies. Conquest. You know, like just every single time they come for dinner, they have to have like this big fanfare. Like yeah, it just gets old. Yeah, I, especially Glognar, because that guy cannot hold his liquor. Uh, but anyway, so yeah, the Maw, the Maw skip is, is something I'm, I was looking forward to and I'm really excited about. Um, I think the Anima Diverter in Corthia is a really good move. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Because, you know, making people go back to their Covenant Sanctum to d- deposit Anima. Yeah, no, that's that's not great. Um, I, I like that they're doing newer cosmetic stuff for, you know, druids and for other, you know, for like... Um, blood elves um, for void elves and you know the nightborn and light forge that that's all cool i'm i'm down for that the changes to legacy loot uh i think i've probably made a noise that only dogs could hear when i when i read that because um, my dog was concerned she's like you okay dad and i'm like yeah i'm fine i'm fine honey it's fine uh i just realized i'm, I'm gonna finally finish some legion sets um so yeah overall i am happy about this patch i think it is a good patch um yeah, I don't really. I can't think of too much else to say on that subject. Do you guys got anything else? Like Liz talked about covenants. Joe, anything in particular that jumps out that you're excited about? Honestly, the whole patch is just—it's a general quality of life improvement across the board, uh, and I think that it is just good. Uh, honestly, the thing that I'm looking forward to the most isn't active right now, and it's the Legion time one. When does that go active? I think it's two weeks. December seventh. Oh, my birthday. I get Legion Time Walking oh, wow. on my birthday. Yeah. But I mean, Happy birthday. Because Legion Time Let's Walking is fun. It sounds fun for me. <laughs> no. The fact that you're going to have Mythic Plus Time Walking. Yeah, really that's cool. cool. I've I've they've never done that before. So I'm I'm really excited for that, especially for Legion which had some of the better Mythics. Uh, I would um, agree. Yeah. So that that'll be something I might actually try to get involved in. That that's pretty cool. But we're now like we have three minutes left on this show. We had a lot of news this week. Yeah. Oh, transmog. I'm going to read Jack Jack's question here. Okay. Although it was intended for the queue, I stole it because I'm writing the queue tomorrow anyway. (laughs) So we're we're doing this instead of talking about transmog. Oh gosh. No, it is a transmog question. Oh, okay. Okay. Q for Q. What's your favorite piece of transmog and why? I recently got myself a plundered blade of Northern Kings and I'm tempted to make it an alt just to use it now. I'm not going to let Joe talk. Lynn, no, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead, Joe. No, 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 that's fair. Uh, Rockladar. Rockladar is 100% my favorite transmog. Um, I absolutely adore that bow and it's partially because of how much I went through to get it because I got it at the like at level at the time and it was a guild wide event to like when I got it everybody in the guild showed up in Fellwood and we did the thing together and 
it was it was just a, it has a lot of good positive memories. So even now, my hunter's bow will always be Rock Ladar, one hundred percent. Okay, Liz. Uh, I just I love the silver hand, which is the holy paladin artifact weapon. It's, so it's good. a giant. It's a giant two-handed hammer, so you can be a healer with a giant two-handed hammer, and like it has spikes on like the faces of the hammer, and it just looks. Some of the some of the appearances on it are just so menacing, and it's like it's as tall as my blood elf. It's huge, and it just feels so satisfying. <laughs> To go in and do my healing with my giant hammer, and it's like, okay, gonna heal, gonna holy shock over that way, gonna swing with my hammer over this way. It just feels, it's so satisfying to use that for a transmog. I'm not big on transmog. <laughs> so and I don't th- really This is when it. Matt exploded from lying on the internet. <laughs> you know, honestly, I couldn't even keep it going through the whole thing. Um, <laughs> Part of the problem here is you're asking me to pick one of my children. I mean, this is Sophie's choice for me. Uh, but I will say one transmog piece that I don't think people will expect me to be excited about uh, is the original Sulphuros. Because much like Joe, okay. Okay. I got I got the original Sulphuros at the time. And, and what actually, uh, what ended up happening was we were, we were at the time we were about to kill Nefarian. We, we had not killed him yet. We were just about to. Um, and we did a run through Molten Core to get people some pieces of tear because uh, Ragnaros dropped the uh, the pants for uh, tier two. So people who were getting their tear through running uh, Blackwing Lair, you know, we were we were like, okay, we're going to help people finish their sets. And we went and did Rag, and he dropped the eye, and he'd never dropped the eye from my guild. Like we had like three Thunder Furies, and nobody had a soul for us. And I had like the most DKP amongst the people who DPSed. Like I, I mostly DPSed. I tanked some, but we had a lot of warriors, so I was, I had the most DKP amongst DPSers. I was expected to get it, because um, I had not gotten a weapon upgrade since Molten Core. We we were like weapons were dropping left and right in uh, in uh, Blackwing Lair, but I had not gotten one. So I bid on it. I bid all my DKP on it, and then one of the, the healers, a paladin, outbid me. And Ouch. this this led to a 25 minute discussion that I was not part of. Like I just like I congratulated the healer and I had moved on. Like I'm like okay, well, well, maybe that means I'm probably going to get the sword when it drops when we kill Nefarian. That, that's cool. I like that sword. So yeah, all right. I mean, this would have been better, but you got to take the good with the bad. You know, you can't get too excited about it. So I moved on. But one of the other healers who was the healing lead and a druid healer got so mad at the paladin that he outbid the paladin <laughs> and they're like what what you're never going to use it and he's like i can use it just as much as you can i have feral now when i'm tanking i'll have a damage shield because every time you hit somebody with it they would it did fire damage mm-hmm. he's like yeah th- th- that's great i want that what are you going to do about it you you've got dkp but i have more i'm the healing lead i'm in every raid i never get anything because you know when am i going to get something I always make sure everybody else gets gear. I've passed on gear for you six times. Like, nope, I'm taking this. And so there was a long discussion, and the healing leads like told me, do not leave the raid. So I, <laughs> so I didn't leave the raid. I was about to, and he's like, do not leave the raid. I'm like, okay. And after about 20 minutes of discussion on, on I think, Ventrilio, I was given the eye. Like, he walked over, and he said, take it. Loot this. And so I did. I got the eye. 
And then that moment, like literally at that moment, the entire raid went to the forge uh, in Black in Blackrock Depths mm-hmm. and made me the hammer right there. Um, I I don't know what discussion transpired. <laughs> you know, to this day, I don't know what was said. Uh, but they made me the hammer, gave me the hammer, and then I had Sulphuros. And then, of course, when Transmog came along, I couldn't use it until I think. Is, was it the end of Battle for Azeroth, or was it this expansion? This expansion, I want to say. Yeah, and that's when I could finally use it. So it is one of my favorites, because I can finally use it. And it is, let us be clear, it is an ugly model nowadays. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, it is. But it's it the is, emotional uh, attachment. It's oh, yeah, the absolutely. Yeah. I remember putting that thing on and walking around uh, Stormwind on it. Not Stormwind, Ironforge, because back then nobody went to Stormwind. Uh, and walking around Ironforge just with it on, and it's like... I think there was only one other Sulphuros on the realm, which was at the time was Asjol Nereb, and it was a Horde player. A Horde Shaman had it. And quite frankly, yeah, that's who you give it to. Uh, Horde Shaman in, in Classic, go ahead. Do, do not go near a Shaman with Sulphuros equipped. One shot they will, city. They will destroy you. They will just, you. Either they'll do almost nothing to you. Or, you'll be like, or ah. your health will just be gone in two seconds. Yeah, it's just, it is either or. You do not know. It is a binary state. Uh, but yeah, that's so Sulphuros. That's, that's my answer. Um, yeah. And that's pretty much the show. So, Joe. Absolutely. Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcasts, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Uh, thank you, Joe. And also thanks to both Joe and Liz for being here on the show with me. Uh, it it makes it a lot more fun and also does mean that I can actually hydrate myself because, quite frankly, when it was just two of us, I was constantly thirsty. Um, yeah, same. I mean, that's not a joke. People think it's a joke. It's kind of it's meant lighthearted, but it's also true. The more people you got, the less you personally have to talk. And y'all, it's don't, great. y'all don't understand how many how many breaks and edits I, or how many breaks and dead spaces I had to edit out because we would have to stop to read. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I, I want to always, as always, say that you know we here at Blizzard Watch stand in solidarity with the employees at Activision Blizzard and their continuing effort to bring positive change to the company and the industry. Um, this week was heartening, and I hope we see more more moves along those lines. But this has been the Blizzard Watch podcast. Uh, thank you guys so much for being here with us, and we'll be back next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.